Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. And I'm W.F. Smith of the Prismatic Wasteland. <laughs> Too long? Do I only need one name? No, 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 I just didn't. I didn't expect that. Okay, uh, w- welcome. Pretty pretty sweet name. I'd like to say I'm of some kind of wasteland as well. That's a pretty <laughs> yeah. good way to do it. I, I still think Kelsey's from the Arcane Libraries is my favorite introduction. I need something I can say so I can sound mysterious like that too. You know, I'm Brad of the Whispering Winds or something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, okay. I think that would give me some more cred. Brad yeah. of the dairy allergies. <laughs> That's, that's, well, that's what like, that's what a blog's for. So you just gonna need to start a blog called Whispering Winds or Dairy Allergies. I really like the second one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that hanging on me as every aspect of my identity. Maybe just okay. to the people I'm dining with. Okay. Uh, so this is Between Two Cairns. We are going to review Secret of the Black Crag. And as our listeners already realize, W.F. Smith, also known as Prismatic Wasteland, is going to be joining us to review it. Very exciting. Welcome, Thank you welcome. so much for coming. And um, I believe, Brad, you had a question for our guest today. Yeah, well, you know, we've got a, we've got an award winner here among us. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. Any award winner, Prismatic Wasteland. I should have worn my medal. I would, that's an oversight on my part. Where's the medal? <laughs> I'd be wearing that all. I mean, is it a medal? Do you actually get a medal? Uh, yeah, there's like 30 downstairs. I, I need to ship them to everybody else. But uh, currently, I just like have a dragon's horde of... Actual gold medals from the Ennies. Wait, oh, you you get a medal for every collaborator on your project? Uh, not automatically. They give you uh-huh. like one as a uh-huh. as a token of goodwill, and the others they could sell you. Um, it's, I'm sure it's a lucrative business for them, and I'm a uh-huh. fucking sucker. Am I? I'm not. <laughs> I'm a freaking sucker. Yeah, there we go. No, you can <laughs> you can swear. Uh, I think I just imagined you like on a pile of these medals, <laughs> luxuriously resting just on your your treasure hoard but I, yeah. I i understand that you did make an effort to get those that's not something that normally happens you, you you made sure that your collaborators were front and center which i thought was pretty cool um i don't like the ennies or believe they're a force for good um but <laughs> i appreciate our yeah congratulations on yeah. you winning an award by saying <laughs> yeah. we like this. i have no respect for the people who make it <laughs> a thing that said if it helps you make money off of your product i'm all for it i just don't care about their opinion you know it's kind of like it's kind of like i i'm happy that people will be buying you know (laughs) this this product and future products as a result but i don't respect the ennies at all or the judges that said why don't we talk about barkeep on the borderlands sure and and now and i'll just echo you know i don't don't respect or sorry i didn't respect the ennies either (laughs) um then for whatever reason around july um I, I was just imbued with a great deal of respect. And now I think that it is um, an entirely legitimate, uh, both award and the process is kind of beyond a reproach. Uh, that's a new opinion I have um, that I developed right before um, winning, not not one I won. Uh, so in terms of why I won, um, yeah, I, I did Barkeep on the Borderlands, which was a, um, what I would call an adventure, but what the Innies would call a supplement, um, basically in a, a pub crawl adventure. So instead of a, a dungeon crawl or a hex crawl. It is a city adventure with a series of taverns, uh, fantasy taverns, kind of with a uh, fantasy milieu and some, you know, adventure kind of paraphernalia around that. Um, but mostly it's just kind of a social adventure, a lot of wacky kind of hijink stuff. Um, and I have a lot of 
co-writers, people who pitched in and wrote um, one tavern of their own. So 10 are written by me and 10 are written by um, various other esteemed bloggers in the OSR, post-OSR blogosphere. Um, yeah, it's a tight little zine I put out. Yeah, yeah, it's terrific. I, I think it's it's uh, a really solid product. Congrats on that one. Um, yeah, love the guest list you have. Also, the list of uh, art contributors. Really, I mean, that thing's popping. We got our boy Skullboy all over that thing. Uh, yeah, and that's that's great. So it won as best supplement. Why? Like, what's going on there? Why do you think it was considered a supplement rather than an adventure? Um, you know, kind of going back to how prestigious and, and great the innies are as a process, you kind of just submit your thing and the judges choose what it is. And if <laughs> okay. I had to guess, the first uh-huh. like few pages are talk about um drinking rules and the, the procedure for doing a pub crawl. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into kind of the meat of the adventure, the more adventure portions. Sure. So they might have skimmed like the first 10 pages and been like, <laughs> okay, it's like a drinking supplement. Um, which makes sense. There was another drinking supplement uh-huh. nominated in the same category. So um, you know, uh there there could be arguments saying that it's a supplement and uh is not an adventure a supplement. Um but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy to be hawking supplements. I mean, only the most prestigious people <laughs> go on podcasts to say, buy my supplement. Um, we're not um, there that level of success yet where we're uh, concerned with supplements on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe someday I aspire to be <laughs> pushing supplements. <laughs> I feel like that would – I always ta- think about, you know, uh-huh. should we review settings? Should we review supplements? And I just find reviewing them to be boring. For some reason, like I, I, I think talking about them is really interesting. I like talking yeah. about them in various shows. We've done, you know, show and share and such, or after sure, show sure, shows. Sure. But I, I don't find from a critical view settings and supplements to be useful because I just like them. Yeah, I have barkeep. Yeah. I actually looked at it yesterday for something that I'm doing in my West Marches game. I remembered reading about this cult in the basement of some church, and I thought, oh. Well, could I steal something from that? And I, I think it's great for that sort of thing. Of course, mm-hmm. you could sit down and do a real, you know, crawl, but I, I don't use products that way. I almost never, I mean, the, the irony of being a co-host in this podcast <laughs> is that I, I have run many adventures just purely as themselves, but I don't really do that. I usually write my own stuff. And so I'm stealing mm-hmm. from adventures all the time, just stealing and stealing and stealing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I... I uh, admire and I think is interesting about Barkeep on the Borderlands is, uh, you know, it's it's kind of got one foot in the classics. I mean, there's a lot of winking references with Keep on the Borderlands. Um, you know, even on the covers, there's like the, on the cover, there's a lot of little visual references. So, you know, what's your relationship with the classics? You know, are you were you there with the TSR era? Are you sitting on a pile of B supplements here? What's going on with your relationship with the classics. So the, the classics, as far as, you know, the, the old TSR stuff, I'm a fan. I, I yeah. have a few myself. Um, I wasn't there at the time. I'm, I'm still a somewhat young man. I've, I've recently reached my 30s. So now I'm a, a gray bearded, you know, grognard, but um, wasn't <laughs> quite old enough or born at the time that B2 and others were released. But, you know, I'm a big fan of a keep uh, Isle of Dread, which probably will be relevant at some point during this larger discussion, um, and all kind of the, the best of, and and that was sort of my gateway to looking at more old school stuff because I started as a three point five, um, which now might be considered old school, but three point five D and D 
person. And I started looking at the older adventures and being like, these are a lot better than, uh, than what they're putting out these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think modern OSR gamers have any kind of, not obligation, but do you think there's maybe, yeah, sure, I'll say obligation to read the classics, you know? If there's like a culture of OSR, do you think there's a cultural literacy component to like understanding some of these old school modules of the days of yore? I would say absolutely not. And in fact, I prefer it if they don't. I, I think that they should know kind of vaguely what they're about. Yeah. Um, but just just pick up on the vibes. I'm 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 a big proponent of vibe theory of games. So like um Spelljammer, you know, Dark Sun, all those old campaign settings yeah. are really cool ideas. If you just kind of know the veneer, if you know the vibe, you're like, oh, yeah, like kind of post-apocalyptic desert shit. That's right. really good. But then wherever you like crack it open, you're like, actually, there's a lot in here that I don't know if I want to yeah. translate directly to a table. So knowing just the vibe is the better yeah. way to go. We, we we have to tell this to uh, our friend Amanda P because she's been reading uh, a bunch of Spelljammer books recently and Monty uh, Cook books and stuff. And she keeps saying like, wow, there's so much problematic stuff in here and <laughs> yeah. like not good stuff. It's got great uh, vibes. It's got some cool ideas uh, and art, but some of the actual core content is just garbage. And I always make the argument that uh, as someone who's free of that nostalgia, I mean, my nostalgia is for Palladium. Okay, I don't have like any nostalgia for a period of gaming I never experienced, which is, you know, right. all this AD&D and OD&D and uh, second edition stuff. And so for me, I, I look at it as an outsider. Some of it is very good and some of it's just garbage and people just can't see that because nostalgia is a, a veil over their eyes. And I, mm-hmm. actually, this will come up later in our main review. I can't wait to delve into that. Wow, a lot of teasers here. A lot of teasers. Uh, you know, I like this vibe theory. I mean, we've been... We talked on, uh, we did a review of Dragonlance, uh, Dragons of Despair, and kind of since then, on the Between Two Kings Discord, I feel like there's been a lot of chat trying to define exactly what is like this 80s crystal fantasy, like as a genre, if it is a genre. And the more like people talk about it, the more I think it might just be Clyde Caldwell's art. <laughs> like, I don't know if there is like a vibe beyond like the big hair and attractive people on Clyde Caldwell's oil paintings, you know? I mean, art is usually like the most important thing. And, you know, talking about old settings like landscape, what Uh what would that be without the art? I mean, that's that's mostly a picture book with with words included. Is the writing in a Dragonlance novel, uh, is it it doesn't mean anything or is it secondary to Clyde Caldwell drawing (laughs) the main character? Is it secondary? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, Well, I have a pivot question. You wrote a blog post that I liked a lot called A Political RPGs Do Not Exist. Uh, I liked it so much, in fact, that I recorded myself reading it for Nicholas Whalen's excellent Blogs on Tape podcast, which for folks who haven't heard it before, check it out. It's just people reading blogs from the OSR and blogosphere on uh, your ear holes, you know, in a mm-hmm. podcast form. On your ear um, holes, yeah. It's, it's good. Uh, but I really enjoyed that piece uh, <laughs> primarily because your thesis is you can't make an apolitical RPG. Here are some examples of why it's impossible. Don't even try. That was kind of here. It wasn't, here's how you can do it. It was like, nope, just don't do it. And then you ended with this great ZX Shu quote, which I'm still um, quite fond of. And, and I just wanted to know, what was the genesis of that piece? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I feel like you have a bunch of useful stuff on your blog, you know, hex crawl checklists, 
part one and two and um, stuff like that. And then and then that one just kind of showed up, which is it's not what put you on my radar, but it definitely made me uh, make extra efforts to read your blog going forward. And I don't I, I think I'm not alone in that. I know it's not like whatever your most linked post or something, but I do think it was a really good and important piece. Yeah, it's definitely, it's not one of my most read, but it is one of my most um, deleted comments one. Um, (laughs) Made a lot of people mad. Um, That one and my post on the Keep on the Borderlands actually why my comment section is like approve only because I got just a flood of people who weren't super happy with me, uh, which makes sense. They were, they're both, I mean, a blog is really high stakes um, and something to get mad about. I get mad every time I read a blog post almost. In terms of the genesis of that post, um, there was actually kind of a specific spurning moment. There's like, uh, I mean, it's terrible to talk about Twitter discourse from like two years ago because it shows that you remember specific (laughs) Twitter discourse from like two years ago. But like some right wing chuds were making like, you know, hot or not list of RPG creators, which ones they thought, you know, were equally chudly and which ones were too woke for them. Um, and they mischaracterize a lot. They had, they had a couple who were like, these are some apolitical people. And they're people who I know are, you know, out and out communists. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but just the, the exercise, cause then other people were like, well, let's do the exact opposite thing. Uh, and it, it, my post doesn't really, really talk about politics as those people were conceptualizing it, which is very kind of American left, right, you know, government politics i'm talking about politics way more broadly because when people are like uh, don't bring politics into it there's a lot of politics that are left unseen because people kind of just agree with you know what is in there i mean people who are like b2 keep on the borderlands a totally apolitical you know adventure it's like i don't know about that man there's like yeah. home invasion going on essentially they're you know they we're potentially killing their the orc children there's these chaos chaos raiders outside the city who are like spying on them. There's a lot of politics there if you if you want to explore it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was the genesis was unfortunately uh, Twitter beefs. Um, so often they expire <laughs> they inspire my best work. So that's why I stay on that terrible terrible website. <laughs> yeah, love or hate, it's all passion, right? <laughs> that, that I remember that blue list or green list or whatever where they they would just assume. Oh, well, Gavin, you know, Gavin from Necrotic Gnome has never said anything political. So we're going to put them as like some other nebulous category. It's such a stupid list. And then, of course, yeah. people were on the green list for a while, right? You I, I don't remember. I actually don't think I was. I don't think I was. I don't yeah. think I don't think I'm big enough. But what, the, what was great is that you had these, you know, asshats making this list and then of course, people tried to make the opposite list. Don't just don't feed into it. Like I can't. Like there's yeah. one. It's there's one thing in writing blog posts that you know analyze these kinds of things. That's great. But let's make our own list. Is the worst possible reaction. And people were of course doing that because again, Twitter is a a trash heap of disastrous proportions. I just it's really dumb. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, I do want to point out that you're. The keep on the borderlands is full of lies post is also very good because the comment section is so defensive and that's the ones that you even let kind of survive. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah. The ones that were deleted. Those are the, those are the best ones actually. Um, <laughs> oh, I should, I should try to go back and find all of them and publish them one day. Cause they're, they're fucking crazy. Um, yeah. They're long too. Some of them, some of them are longer than the blog posts themselves. Yeah, you got a lot of nerve, you know, having opinions about something that I liked as a child, okay? 
I think that's the the core of a lot of discourse. It's like 30 pages uh-huh. long and there's probably a million pages of words written about it, you know, in, in the time since it's come out. People are so weird. They just fixate yeah. on this thing. Anyhow, it's it's great to have you on, Warren. Um, I believe you suggested Secret of the Black Crack. We uh, both, I think, Brad and I had already backed it ages ago, but had put it on our list as, you know, at some point we'll do this one. We we didn't want to do it earlier since there were we already had done a different chance to knack uh module last year so we thought okay we'll give it some time and then when you suggested it it seemed like it made sense but just to like you know completely dive in here before we go into it um why did you suggest the module we're going to review um so you know i don't want to get too much into you know how the the podcast is made and too Mm. deep in the weeds Mm. but I actually suggested like 40 other things first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right. most of it, most of it I was denied um, by you because yeah. you said, too no, long. that's not an adventure. That is, that's a setting. That's too long. Yeah. That's a set right. setting. Yeah. Um, which is why, and I actually had not read this. I was literally just uh, throwing stuff at the wall <laughs> and hoping, because this, this is the point where I was begging, please, please let me on your, yeah. your precious <laughs> podcast. Um, even though I'm such a big git. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I had to really convince you, twist your arm. This um, is this is like sweeps month. We got we got the star power this month. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the it's biggest true. name you've you've oh, got. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Kelsey. And, <laughs> Who? Um, <laughs> you just wait. You just wait. We have two more after this. Uh, so you just Even picked bigger. it randomly. Gary, Gary Gygax, not randomly. <laughs> I, I, you know, I knew. Um, I was more familiar with with Joel's work because I really loved Desert Moon of Karth. Like that's the first thing for Mothership that I read. Where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna actually have to run some mothership at some point because that thing is really good. I didn't quite know like his level involvement versus what was chances. Um, But I, you know, I like pirates. The the cover was intriguing, but I had not yet read it. Um, And I definitely didn't know it was all, it's also kind of a a setting. Um, I I think that setting and adventure are kind of nebulous concepts, but you have more of a black and white view on on what is I think there is an in-between. Well, we talk about this all the time. For example, Reach of the Roach God, which I desperately want to review. I have not agreed to do it yet because it's a setting, not a module. And then we've had this back and forth. Yeah, okay. So here's here's the thing. You know what a setting is? UVG is a setting. Okay. There's I can't sit there and analyze it from the perspective of a module. I, I just it, you can do 25% of it and say that you've run it successfully. Okay. I don't think you could do 25% of Secret of Black Crag and say you've run it successfully. And it's not just length. It's how mm. it all fits together. There is a secret in Black Crag, you know? <laughs> in, <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying I, I, I agree that it's nebulous. I agree that it's pro- – I'm possibly being unfair – um, maybe I'm just trying to avoid the reality of settings are longer and take more of an effort, you know, and I love settings. We, that's why we haven't reviewed, you know, any of the, uh, that, uh, the Oz or, uh, Neverland because they're settings, not modules, mm-hmm. but maybe we should, maybe you have convinced me prismatic ways. I'm persuasive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or you could just do a page limit. I, you know, 61 pages. We're not doing anything. 62, 63, <laughs> way too long. We've got okay. some big meatballs on our list that we keep coming to. We're like, we it's can't read true. that this week. It's true. Know? But you're yeah. right. I, my, I am, I would say I'm becoming more flexible on the matter. By the way, I also found Desert Moon of Karth to be my favorite mothership module or adventure. And I think it's because it's the most non-mothership adventure while keeping all the qualities of a mothership adventure. It's it's not working class sci-fi. It's space western. Of course I like it. You know, it's Star Wars. So yeah, I agree you, with you. You and there. I might be similar in that 
Mothership is is like the rest of the OSR and then it's kind of very sort of grim and dark, um, which is all great and good. It's just not really my cup of tea. I kind of gravitate to stuff that's a little more um, yeah. fantastical. Um, I've whenever the, whenever the OSR was just like skulls and, and death, never really appealed to me. When it's whenever it got the little Gonzo, a little whimsical that that's where I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'd like to use. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. You know, I like a little uh, palate cleanser into some space horror. You know what I mean? But I, I keep coming back to, you know, I don't know. Give me a little weird goblin that someone can talk to. You know, that's See, I, I, okay, this is the weird thing because in my uh-huh. past life, I didn't read fantasy at all. I only read hard sci-fi for years and years and years. Hard science uh-huh. fiction, short stories, novels, and stuff like what you'd call working class sci-fi, I really liked. I liked stuff like Alien, yeah. you know, where there's a, a clear setting that's very small and doesn't feel expansive. I Like, for instance, I'm not a uh, Star Wars expanded universe kind of guy. I'm much uh-huh. more into smaller novels that have a, a very... I, I, I guess are more traditionally science fiction and have no fantasy elements mixed in. And then something changed in my late twenties, early thirties, where mm. I decided I want to pursue everything that's folktale and fairy tale related. And then that brought me back to, to fantasy. Uh, and in fact, I think maybe it was game of Thrones. That was the first fantasy book I'd read since Lord of the Rings. It was like, there was like Lord of the Rings when I was 13 and no fantasy until basically game of thrones and that i think a lot of fantasy authors or fantasy readers don't see game of thrones as traditional fantasy you know and maybe that's why it was a good gateway i guess what i'm trying to say is i love sci-fi and i love hard sci-fi so you'd you'd think i would like mothership but i and i do like mothership but i also don't think i'd really enjoy being in that world for very long yeah yeah, I think I, w- I would like more mothership modules a little more if there was like a weird little goblin you could talk to, you know. Again, that's with the I think little that's goblins. It. You can have little goblins. You just, I just want I just want more weird little guys. There should be a module that's just that, like a, just a cocktail party for goblins. Um, <laughs> there probably so is. There probably is <laughs> a lot of like little goblin style zines out there. Um, all right. Well, why don't we dip into talking about this? book uh secret of the black crag so yes so for our main review we are going to be covering secret of the black crag this is written by chance dudenek layout is sam Sorensen. editing sam Sorensen. development sam Sorensen and joel hines the art i believe there's something like 60 or maybe 50 pieces of Art, original art in this book, and they are all by Chance Dudenak, except for the cover, which is our old friend Logan Stahl, who just keeps on showing up, (laughs) doing cover art for so many things that we review. And then um, finally, the cartography is Glenn Seal, uh, uh, another nautical Glenn Seal um, map situation going on here. And it's been published by Silver on Press. Um, I have it in this hardback... 98 page digest size um mm-hmm. format it's really nice reminiscent of the osc house style but with a little cha- couple changes especially in the interior but um yeah i'm pretty impressed with it a really nice solid book especially for the for the page count uh yep. any comments on the overall physical layout or or um spread yeah it's really clean i like that on the side of each page there's like these little chapter headings so you can kind of flip to the section you're looking for that's really well done yeah i'm kind of like offended the chance dudenak is good at art i'm like <laughs> how dare you 
You know what I mean? But I really like his his art style. It's kind of cartoony, but it's you know it's it's very uh, it's it has a lot of flavor. It's got well, I don't know. It's very like proficient, well crafted, perfect for the setting. I think it's it looks great here, and I love the, the quantity of it here as well. I want to comment on the maps real quick. I really love the map of the town. I think it's mm-hmm. it's different than other things I've seen Glen Seal do, and just makes a lot of sense. It feels very much like a real town in terms of how it's laid out. I, I, I really, really like it. Yeah. So on the maps and just kind of where things are laid out, the overall map, the larger map of the islands, um, I do wish if it had taken more consideration to the fact that it's going to be in a book and that there's going to be a gutter in between because it is, it's a little yeah. hard. And I think that the, the eponymous dungeon is like there in the middle. So you kind of, Got to give your book a real stretch to, to kind of read everything. It's Nothing's totally obscured by it, so there does take some consideration, but... I know which one you're talking about, which where the gutter just completely consumed the um, relevant part in the middle. And I, I totally know what you're talking about. It was kind of annoying, but the PDF, you know, it's very clear there. Yeah, PDFs have pretty small gutters, traditionally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree with Brad, though, that the layout on the side... Um, you know, there's basically all the chapters are written from the top to bottom and whatever chapter you happen to be on is, uh, highlighted in black. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, I think it's a, a clean little product. I'm, I'm, uh, I think it looks good. What do you think about the little, uh, <laughs> compass rose, the disembodied <laughs> hand pointing east? It's so, it's funny. Cause yeah, every map, <laughs> the compass rose is a giant zombified arm <laughs> pointing <laughs> east <laughs> or west. It's never yeah. north, which is what you would expect. It's funky, but yeah, it's fine. I take it. Yeah, uh, I do have, I do. Okay. I do have one bone to pick though, in terms okay. of the layout or Here we go. formatting. No. Okay. Uh-huh. So on the cover, there's this quote, what would an ocean be without a monster lurking in the dark? It would be like sleep without dreams. And this is a very popular quote. It has been attributed in this book to Werner Herzog. Mm-hmm. That is not correct. That is false. Oh, it does not. It is Werner Herzog had, it's, I think, in a documentary. I don't remember where he um, <laughs> he rephrased a quote from John Steinbeck: um, "A notion without its unnamed monsters would be like a completely dreamless sleep." And um, it's from the the log from the Sea of Cortez. I love John Steinbeck. I love that quote. It is misappropriated or whatever, whatever wow. you call it. It's yeah, it's wrong. Wow. Um, another good line, by the way, like if, right before that line in um, Sea of Cortez, he says, men really need sea monsters in their personal ocean. I, mm. I always thought that was a cool tagline. Anyway, I yeah. saw that and thought that's not Werner Herzog. I've definitely seen that before I knew who he was. So I, okay. Um, wow. We got a call. Yeah. We got some call outs. Yeah, a little here. one. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's call a call out of the adventure and Werner Herzog. Both yeah. of them. Well, no, guilty. here's the thing. He, yeah. can, Werner Herzog can make whatever quotes he wants. It's more if you're attributing it to him. Her, well, Herzog, bro, cite your sources, you know, yeah. original footnotes. <laughs> I would, re- I would listen to him reading footnotes and sources. <laughs> Oh well. He's let's get it. Let's get. Let's give. Let's give, let's give Werner Herzog. Maybe yeah. that's an episode. Is that one of your one of your guests after me? You uh, said you had some big names. So I won't tell. Yeah, I won't yeah, spoil it. Won't yeah. spoil it. <laughs> my, I was going to do my Werner Herzog impression, but I'm not going to do it now. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's after that. show show too. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so <laughs> let's just dive in. 
You know, hold up. We didn't do an event. We didn't do a summary. We didn't oh, I'm sorry. Summary. What's this about, Brad? I'd love to. I'd love to tell you what this is about. Thank you for asking. Secret of the Black Crag. This is a straight up uh, adventure sandbox. All right, it's a pirate theme sandbox and this is you know capital p pirate this is the most hardcore pirate content i've seen in a long time um you know this isn't like we're, we're putting a pirate hat on some knights and, and wizards and fair maidens here this is like this is pirate pirate stuff all right y'all um so yeah it's pretty like kind of open-ended it's kind of assumed that characters have a ship or can acquire a ship in the kind of town that you get port fortune and then we've got a large spread of all these islands that you can explore. And yeah, most of the islands have like little goings on. There's little like adventures you can have on here. And I think pretty good variety of happenings. But kind of it's all centered around the Black Crag, which is kind of the tip of a giant kind of black pyramid thing sticking out of the water. And it's rising and it has secrets. What's going on under there? Um, and that's what we kind of learn as we explore and kind of find more um, ancient artifacts in these islands. Would anyone else like to add anything? Did I miss anything crucial without going into spoiler territory here? I mean, I think that was pretty good. There's some more you could say. It, the, uh, you know, the, the structure of the overall adventure, it's very much reminiscent of Chance's earlier work where you have a town with various characters who are all interrelated and give you kind of impetus to go out and do things um yeah go ahead. i think there's like fewer central hooks here compared to if we're, if we're comparing black worm black worm is like there's a dragon yeah what are we you know that what are we going to do about it we got to address the dragon this is kind of like hey there's a bunch of islands right have fun there go are hooks but the, yeah there yeah. the hooks are elsewhere you might yeah. come across find, something you know yeah, this and it's in June all sorts of directions too. It's it's not just all kind of leading inevitably to one place. I mean, kinda, but there's there's other stuff as well. Totally, yeah, and I think um, this would be a great one to connect with some other island modules you've got. I've got a list of, of we could talk about this at the end. There's a list of books that I would attach to this to make it like a campaign. But I think it would be very very um, what's the word? I don't know. Extensible. You can really latch stuff onto here and just expand this world without really having any kind of like major concerns of how it would fit, you know, there are some more islands in anyway. Well, all right. So we all have a lot to say. Let's just get to it. As our guest, WF Smith, what did you think of the secret of the black crag? Um, my non-spoiler kind of brief review is I think it's a solid, um, piratey adventure. Um, it, it very much does what you expect. Um, with maybe a few tweaks, it might have a little more, science fiction stuff then you might immediately assume whenever you hear it's a pirate ocean crawl adventure but you know it has a good you know home base kind of starting settlement um has a fair number of islands with interesting things going on and it has a um a pretty large dungeon that has a refreshing level that we'll probably talk on later that um is different than the others um overall i, I thought it was good i think it could be there's some things that could be added to it that would make it a lot stronger and a lot more uh, toyetic, but um, definitely a good, solid pirate adventure. What is that word you just said? Toyetic? Toyetic, yeah. The, you know, the, the quality of toys. You, you want to pick it up and play with it. Sometimes you got those toys that are mostly made to be in a box, but sometimes you got the ones that have a little gear and you can lower a drawbridge and, you know, all kinds of little 
doodads to play with, something that really invites play. Um, usually that's applied to toys, um, but I apply it to adventures because mm-hmm. adventures basically are toys. Yeah, I like that. Cool. Okay, what about you? You want to go? Yeah, you go. You go. You, uh, let's. I'll go last. Okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's a solid pirate sandbox. I mean, you know, I think you're getting what it looks like on the cover here. It is kind of like a Pirates of the Caribbean themed crawl. I think it really lives in in those tropes that you would expect, and I think for the most part, it does those very well. Um, I don't. You know, I think if you're kind of like lukewarm about pirates um i don't think this is going to change your mind that it's that pirates are a fun trapping (laughs) because i mean you know it's it's got you know exactly what you'd expect sharks it's got skeleton pirates it's got you know um whatever all all those trappings um i do like the level of whimsy we have here it's not like silly it's not goofy but there is some really fun stuff i think we're kind of firmly in like guybrush threepwood style pirate adventures here there's some there's some quirks and i think there's a lot of uh areas for that kind of fun um i think the kind of sandboxy stuff the interconnectedness of the islands the little plots that tie together is where it really is its strong point I think the more you explore, the more you find these little connections and the world grows and is richer for it. I think um, Black Room of Brandonsford was kind of similar in that regards and that the world just feels like alive and connected. Um, but I was wishing it went a little farther in some regards. Um, it's like some of the uh, villainous factions, like the sea creatures that you eventually contend with seem kind of one one note they're not very fully developed they're just kind of like evil sea creatures you know what i mean they don't really have a lot going on when you find them they're like torturing captives or standing guard you know i wanted to kind of know more about like well what what do they want you know what do they you know what do they what do they sing about in their quiet times you know like what's give me some some more developed kind of uh life in the ocean i think um you know that's but you know i D is a game about finding treasure killing monsters it totally works i just wanted us this to take me to that next level all right i wanted more from those um those villains and i think a little more from some of the major dungeon too it was like totally proficient but yeah i just wanted a little more weirdness a little more like personality from some of it um but overall like i think this is really solid and i think this would be a lot of fun on at you know, if anyone wants to do a pirate thing, like this is this is it, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Um, oh my god. <laughs> okay, so he disagrees with our lukewarm takes. It's not that I okay. <laughs> here's the, let me tell you a story. When the original Zelda Breath of the Wild came out, I thought it was the best game of all time. Okay, I really enjoyed it. I loved everything about it. I waited patiently for the sequel Tears of the Kingdom to came out to come out, which it did this year. I played it, I beat it, and done with it. And the problem is Tears of the Kingdom will never supplant Breath of the Wild. It just won't. And it's not about nostalgia. It's just that Breath of the Wild did the thing I liked first. And all the things I like about Tears of the Kingdom are things I liked about Breath of the Wild. So, in many ways, I can't fairly critique the second game, since it's 
largely good because of the first game. It's hard for me to 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 give it points for that because I I I just see the DNA of the first game. Similarly, one of my favorite modules of all time is Black Worm of Brandonsford by Chan Studenek. I really love 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 that adventure partly because yeah, it's forest fantasy whatever. I like that kind of thing. Um, partly because the illustrations are awesome and cute and the inter- you know, the personalities interact with each other in interesting ways. And, um, there's this kind of main quest that you're slowly cajoled towards. I, I really love, love that module. So when I started reading this book, I was a little, I, uh, what's the word? Trepidatious, I think is the word. It's like, what if you gave chance a chance, you know, <laughs> what if, what if you gave him all the production values that he didn't have? Like he didn't even have a cover for the original Black Worm. He did it himself. It was like a public domain cover. And then he, he made a, a new one himself, uh, about a year later or something. So th- I was a little nervous because I thought, okay, there's no way this is going to be as good as Black Worm to me because of that same sort of, um, I guess fallacy of sequels, whatever. I don't know what the, what you call that, but, um, Mm -hmm. but no, it wasn't a problem at all. It's great. I really like this module. What? What? We have five minutes of build up to be like, I don't know if I can like it. (laughs) No, no, because I like it because while I was reading it, that feeling slowly wore away as the identity of the module rose out of the water, much like the black crack. And I have some critiques. I have some, critiques that we should dive into before spoilers actually um but overall i think it's a really well constructed and um cohesive module that yeah there could have been some padding around certain factional elements but i actually thought they were fine there's like three or four factions there's enough there for just just put two of those together and you're going to get an explosive situation you know Uh, so Mm -hmm. I, i don't really have that same critique I do have a minor critique about the NPCs in that I feel like they're all there basically to serve the players in some way. Like they're kind of NPCs in a video game, which isn't a bad thing. It's 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 just usually you only get one or two of those and then you get a bunch of no names. And to be fair, there's a great little generator for random villagers and pirates and stuff. So um, it's, yeah. it's not it's not really crit- criticism. It just felt very much like a video game when I was reading about each of these excellent NPCs that are so well realized which they are. They're they're very good, you know. I feel like the art does only a little bit of the heavy lifting in this case, and it's so much in the 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 whimsy and fun of the NPCs themselves. My biggest concern is how many underwater sections there are in this module. And I understand that there are means to work around that problem, but I do feel like depending on um, what your gaming group does first when they play this, that might get a little bit frustrating. Like I could see people running into not one, but two underwater only areas that they are not able to surpass because they don't have the right tools to adapt to that situation. And it, that might be a little deep divey, but I, I feel like that's one area of concern as I read it was, Oh, another area that's all deep di- That's all underwater. And then eventually you realize, Oh, actually that's probably not going to be as much of a problem going forward, which is actually quite interesting. Uh, the other area that I wish we had seen more of is more kind of boat mechanics, like more things about being on a boat. Um, I thought that would be, I don't know what you could do differently, but I feel like 
Um, there's a whole section on, uh, you know, how to, I mean, let me actually go to it at the end. So I don't speak out of turn here, but in the appendix, there's how to create, create automatons, quick and dirty underwater adventuring. I would just like one section that says, here's how, here's how you do things on a boat. And maybe yeah. that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a really good module. I think it's a, um, uh, sort of maturing for chance. Um, I, I think it's, Really great when you get a bunch of talented people, editors, development consultants, publishers, artists, cartographers, and you have them support a, a person's singular vision. I think this is a great module and is well well worth a purchase. Mm-hmm. But just to be clear, I didn't feel that way going in. I felt a sort of sinking disappointment because it can't be the thing that I love, but then I kind of got over it. So I don't know. Maybe that was an unnecessary wow. preamble, but what a journey for you. Okay. Thanks. Hey, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't as bad as tears of the kingdom of award winning <laughs> game. I, I like tears of the kingdom, but what I like, <laughs> what I like about it is, is what I liked about breath of the wild, which is not the case here. Yeah. I got you. Uh, I was yeah, that's, yeah, that's, okay. That's, okay. Okay. I think I follow. <laughs> uh, let's just deep dive it so we can get more into this. Unless you have any further thoughts. Regarding underwater exploration, I think that's kind of built, baked in by design. I think it's really, this is, you're meant to kind of bop around islands and accumulate like treasure and magic that lets you breathe underwater before you even know about some of these underwater areas. So I feel like reading it, you're kind of like, how would people get here? But um, players don't know that it exists until they have found those other things. Well, that's, yeah, that's why I was waiting for deep dive, Brad. But even even on even on a shallow dive, um, yeah. I actually kind of think it's somewhat cool because I always see people being like, "How can I make my dungeon more like Metroidvanias, where there's kind of gated, locked <laughs> yeah. areas that you go to, and you're like, oh, dang! If I had this tool, maybe I could go a little further.' Yeah. Um, and because it is a piratey adventure, and that's, I mean, the water theme, you know, water is going to be involved as soon as you get on the island, mm-hmm. um, the first island, you you, you know that water's involved. So it's like, you know, it's it's a good one to have this kind of gating mechanism that's not as boring as a literal locked door. It's, you know, right. there's some water levels and you need to find some means to get around that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I, yeah, you know, I know. And I, I don't disagree, but I have some quibbles with that. Which, can we just get the deep dive and then I can give you my quibbles? Is that... Now that okay. we kept water water breathing, we can we can deep we can dive deep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. this is a this is a, so, yeah, it's a transition. Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good. Okay, thanks. Right. So deep dive now. Deep dive. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so you yes, there are objects that let you breathe underwater, but there's not a lot of them, and I can imagine a party of five having to split up as a result, which is fine. But I do see it as sort of an inevitability. I think if you ran 10 groups through this setting slash campaign slash sandbox, whatever, I think you'd get like three of them that would be frustrated with some of the underwater stuff. That's all. Hmm. I, that's hmm. the feeling I got from it is there's, I think, three or four things that let you breathe underwater, not including spells, of course. And yeah, I can see that. I don't think they'll you'll get all three of those things. I think you'll get one of those things, and then one PC will be able to breathe underwater. But there's situations that you cannot survive as one PC. You just can't. So I can see that being an issue. I can also see people having a problem with the Gonzo nature of the ending, the crypt, you know, the spaceship part. 
There's like that. Yeah. There's that like uh, you know, <laughs> um, Illithid knockoff kind of with the wings. It's like an alien yeah. with yeah. So that's what's going on. The secret of the Black Crag is that an uh, this ancient civilization was visited by aliens. Their UFO is still there. There they built like an underwater. Well, they built a city. The titular Black Crag. You go deeper and deeper, and you eventually find this city. And um, yeah, within it is the temple, and within the temple is that the center is a UFO, and you can actually wake it up and fly off into space. I think that's pretty rad. Uh, yeah. So these these guys showed up. They're the scholars. That's what they're called. They right, taught the, the they taught the ancients all these uh-huh. awesome powers or whatever, and then right. eventually a volcano. Um, or possibly gods swallowed the mountain city. That's what happened. Yeah, which one of my favorite mechanics here is the power crystals. You keep finding these like charged up, like glowing crystals. And at first they're like, oh yeah, these these seem cool. These are glowing. I'm sure they're valuable. But then you find stuff that you can plug these into. So the more of these crystals that you keep accumulating, the more you can like manipulate stuff with it. You can like wake up ancient statues that come alive you can gain access to doors it's i think a really cool mechanic that it's really like everyone's going to figure it out but when you find these crystals it's not obvious what you're going to do with them i think that's a really really smart way to have this kind of metroidvania style um delve into like a deeper and deeper complex complexity of of uh, of areas and encounters very cool but I definitely like that there's no single use for them as well, because yeah. you could envision a, like a version of this where it's like, oh, you have to have the the power crystal in order to open these specific doors. It's like, no, nah, you could use it on just the submarine the entire time. You don't even have to, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I, I like that it's a solution with a set of different problems you can apply it to definitely. rather than a problem that has one solution. Yeah, well said. I like how all the different factions have a goal. You can get yourself involved in some nebulous sort of, uh, or some morally iffy, uh, factionalism there. You can join the crustacean types or you can join the fishy people, or you can join the dragon creature, or you can do stuff, you know, for that ghost guy who was hung. You know, there's like all these little kind of, um, hooks to draw you in to do stuff. And, and and it really does feel like a true sandbox in that way. And yeah, there is a quote unquote conclusion if you do certain things, but I could see just, kind of hanging out, going from island to island, getting all these different uh, cool weapons, running into undead pirates. By the way, I was going to be so disappointed if there were no undead pirates, but there are indeed many <laughs> yeah. undead pirates. And and, and I want to point one more thing out. You, I think it was you, uh, W. Smith, you said that the um, you didn't like all the rooms in the dungeons, in the various dungeons? I, no, no, no. I, I, said, I said there was, maybe that was Brad. I um, said I was a little let down. You were like, I totally disagree. I found every room to be interesting. I found it to be entertaining, easy to read. I I don't know. I I really enjoyed reading. Uh, Unlike some of the stuff we review, I I enjoyed Uh every single room in the five or so levels of dungeons in this adventure. I just, my, my feeling was we get deeper and deeper into this strange space. Like there's this weight of like descending and you finally get to this city and it's like, what, this is not normal. We're going into something strange. And then ultimately we go into this palace and I don't know, the palace just wasn't, it it didn't feel special to me. It felt like, okay, there's a kitchen and there's an armory and here's where some captives are, you know, like in its core, we've got a UFO, like awesome. I want more 
I, I think it, and it, it's hard to criticize for what it isn't. Okay. Cause as it is, it's fine. It's fine. I just like when you get to an alien UFO in the middle, I'm just like, I want more hor- like horrifying alien stuff here. Like I want to be going through this thing just in awe and, and, and shocked at the strangeness of this alien world. And it feels just a little like another castle, you know? And I don't know. I, I felt let down by that. I feel like but, it does have a good bit of strangeness, not necessarily in the architecture of the palace because it is yeah. just a ruined castle, but in yeah. the inhabitants, because it just has, you know, these evil horny crabs, um, uh-huh. which, you know, that in the more mundane setting of a ruined palace yes. gives it that little bit of kind of weirdness. So you're, you know, engaging with mutoids and crab people. The mutoids um, are cool. Why did you call them horny? Yeah. So actually I, I wrote it down in my notes. It's important enough. I marked it down. Um, the the main leader of the crab people, it's he's described as a hedonistic beast driven by carnal desires. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. So I, I, I wrote down this crab fucks um, in my notes. Um, yeah. He could, he could be hungry as well, I guess. I mean, he's like surrounded by like female, six n- female nephroids in the yeah, next one, okay, maybe. He's that yeah. way, but not the rest of them. You do have to fight. True. Them. You have to like. True. Just the leader's horny. Yeah. Let's yeah, let's know, clarify. Lead by example, right? I feel like he's, <laughs> you know, he's setting a precedent. I t- I, anyway, you're right. The rooms up to that point, though, are interesting. I'm not going to say there's like not interesting rooms. Like the Black Crag is cool. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I like the interactivity. Yeah. It's just the palace, man. It's And, you know, the I wish the fish people, they're just like you can ally with them. You know, but why? They're just like we. They're like we want to kill a dragon. That's well, their main they want to fight. But, the, but the first, we want to capture a child dragon, which yeah. is <laughs> even more morally dubious. They're, they're supposed right. to be evil. They are. I mean, it's clear that the queen is. I evil. just think evil is not interesting unless it's a little bit attractive. You know, I want to hang see these fish people and be like, it's very, it's actually I see the benefit of joining with these people. Like these, you want the these, temptation of evil. I yeah, I want to see like why is it why would it be cool to be an evil fish person? Like tempt me over. Like what's what do you well, have? I don't know. Players are psychopaths. You know? I feel like they need less. But you I would I also prefer I, that, but it it just feels like yeah, there's the choice there. You could ally with the giant cool sea dragon whose baby got kidnapped or the evil fish people who want to kill a dragon baby. It's like what you're not going to ally with the fish people. Like there's just nothing to tempt you there. There's no benefit. You're just needlessly cruel and for no net gain. Well, so they, they give like you, they of, give you like gold or something. There's something. Yeah, they I don't give know. You. It's just hard. It's hard to feel like true faction play. I no, I mean, it's a faction. It's just like, I want them to kind of court me, you know, it's a little, it's a little one-sided because the dragon has something more tangible offer. It's like, yeah. you help me out. I'm going to give you this pearl that's on my tongue. Right. Um, yeah. And it, which yeah, who doesn't want to see dragons? A really cool encounter. Like that is awesome. And if you help it, I love that you're gonna benefit. It'll just show up and help you at some point. Like that's such a cool, flavorful thing. Like players would freak out. Yeah, it's like a Deus Ex Machina in your game where a dragon jumps in and saves your butt. But like you've earned it at that point, and it's amazing. And there's this dragon that you helped. So it it's no contest. I like the smaller islands, though, like the little tiny quests, you know, the yeah. the Cyclops and the, the rock. Oh, that's all awesome. Like, I really like the, I would just, just give me like 50 islands and I'll just play that, you know, just, yeah. that's why I wanted, that's why I wanted ship mechanics. <laughs> totally. I love the, the island where there's like, it's in, it's in the middle of a volcano. There's a big statue 
And if you pull a tongue on it, it opens up to like a tomb under the statue. And there's a mummy with a necklace. And it's like so obvious, you know, players see Don't a mummy with it. a necklace. It's yeah. like, oh, the mummy's going to kill me. But you yeah. take it and the mummy doesn't move. But the statue outside gets up and starts chasing you around the right. jungle and shooting right. lasers. Like that's that's terrific. I love yeah. that. That was like a thrill. Yeah, I think I liked all the small islands. I, I love the Emperor of the Sea. Yeah, I, I I wanted more from each one of them. I was like, man, this is this is some good stuff. Totally. You know, the dungeon's fine, but the islands were kind of maybe the the highlight, <laughs> the, the the dessert. The little co- coconut people. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That, oh, it, yeah. the the entire character is very reminiscent. If you guys watch Adventure Time, I, I know you're both fathers, so you probably watch your children. <laughs> um, the the Ice King character is like a crazy yeah, I'm familiar wizard. I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar vibe here. Um, the yeah, it's just like a crazy king. And we've said nothing of uh, monkey, monkey, the monkey temple, where a ship full of monkeys took over. They they, they mutinied, crashed their ship, and took over a temple. That's come on. The gorilla is a captain. You can talk. It doesn't explain why a gorilla can talk. It just is. I don't know. To me, I did yeah. have one slight quibble with with that the monkey dungeon though. Is that I. I was kind of expecting a twist at the yeah. end more than just mm. the leader is a bigger monkey. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I was hoping it was like, maybe it's a human pretending to be a monkey. No, no it's um, just a giant gorilla. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was fine. It was just, it's, the monkey's bigger. Um, yeah. Well, that's like a fun idea taken, taken pretty far. And I think it, I, that worked for me. I think the, players would freak yeah. out. I just, get to the, monkey dungeon. the, the gorilla piece is so chance too. it's uh-huh. cartoony. And it's a great, and so just piece. like, it, it looks like something you could just sketch in one sitting, you know, that kind of, uh, it's like a simplicity to it, but it works so well. He's got the captain's hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. Overall, I found this to be such an easy read. Thank goodness. Cause it is kind of long, you know, that is one thing mm-hmm. there's, there's a good preamble, you know, the, or that the section about port fortune is again, it's very similar to his earlier work where you just learn about, um, not the places, but the people in town. And yeah, right. they'll have like, you know, the smithy and the sh- and the stitcher and all that. But it's really about the people, and right. I think that's really a, a smart design decision that not enough people are doing. Don't focus on uh, all the stores in town. Just focus on the people and everything that surrounds them and how they can be useful or interesting to the party and i you know i kind of gave it crap earlier for being a little video gamey but i think it's actually really smart design especially all the mama fortuna stuff you know how if you knew her true name you could control her and if if the captain dies she'll just she just destroys the island or whatever um yeah there's like a sea witch that is um kind of a prisoner of this island and she's kind of just appears to be some kind of fortune teller right yeah, she pretends to be a fortune teller. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, some yeah, really interesting. And I I like all, all these NPCs are dynamic. They're not just like you know, boring static <laughs> she, individuals. They all want something. <laughs> they can all she, offer something. Great. She cursed that guy, the drunk, so he can't yeah. go on boats and so he keeps falling up. The yeah, ship. That's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> he lo- he lost his sea legs. Right. I thought oh, that was it's good. so funny. Um, it's good. Well, I also like the thread with her and, and George yeah. Smith. Oh. Uh, yeah. the person who died and that was kind of a thread throughout yeah. and it was i think it was one of the few things because i i read this in a strange order where i read port fortune on the way to a bachelor party like a month ago <laughs> yeah and then i didn't read any of the rest and i read the rest of it last night in preparation <laughs> for this 
Um, so that was when I was like, oh yeah, I remember that from, from a month ago. That's cool. Um, That's I think funny. it's great. I, it's it's one of the best adventures at that. Ha- it's one of my favorite adventures that I've read because it feels like you're watching a movie or seeing a cartoon, not in, uh-huh. in the sense that there's like a story, but just, it feels very alive and cartoony. I don't know how to explain it. Like I would yeah. love to see an animated version of this module. Just parts of it were just so entertaining and, and fun, like a, like a, an adult Disney movie or something. Right. And I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like the part, I think there's something to be said about, adventures in nice environments yeah <laughs> as being pleasant um you know i i once ran a campaign for a while and at one point players were in like literal hell for i think two or three months and like five of my players individually were like hey brad can we like get out of hell soon it was like right <laughs> around when like um i don't know uh yeah, there's like a lot of bad news in the world going on and everyone was just like we we don't want our escapist fantasy to be in hell anymore. Yeah. Um but yeah. just like it's so nice we're outside. It's it's tropical, right? We're on the ocean, there's boats. Just like the backdrop of adventure here is so inviting. Even if there are threats and so forth, I feel like there's something inherently nice and fun about adventuring in a tropical uh, ocean setting. The and only thing that feels off about it uh-huh. is the lack of guns. Okay. Because it's hard to imagine the the heyday. I, guess, I, I never thought about it. I never thought about it, but. Well, I kept expecting there to be guns because the yeah. visual iconography, yeah. everything feels. I, can you imagine a pirate story without some kind of gun? That's in my yeah, mind. Yeah. That's what I think about. Yeah, I, I can. I was, for me, it was more the lack of like, merchants uh-huh. like what am i pirating exactly <laughs> if i'm a pirate here right. like i was hoping for like, at least like one settlement was like this is the civilized place and they hate pirates right. no no you know, i think I, I think the whole archipelago is an escape for pirates i think it's where pirates go you know yeah but that's it's just like yeah. there's so many pirates just cruising around and i think that's one of its strengths as you interact with all these pirates the pirates are all really interesting like there's a lot of flavorful like pirate factions floating around but yeah, like if there's nothing for them to pirate except each other there, where you know, it's just it's a little incestuous. <laughs> we're just pirating each yeah, other all day long, you know. In order to play cops and robbers, like somebody has to play the yeah. cop. You can't just be robbers and robbers. You, I mean, you can, but <laughs> right. um, it's nice to have kind of an antagonist, antagonistic force if you want to be the force of chaos. Yeah, yeah. which I do <laughs> definitely. So yeah. I think. If I'm running this one, here's what I want to add to it. All right, here's here's the books I'm lo- I'm I'm latching on. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Uh, I love the Plangent Mage. All right. I think that would work perfectly here. Same cartography, and at the end here, we get to something. The whole dungeon it like rises something out of the out of the the ocean. All right. Just make it be the Black Crag. Have it come all the way out of the <laughs> water. You know what I mean? And it would it would work so well. I would also grab um, my friends at um, Night Owl Publishing have a book, Aquatic Adventures, which I think is like under underrated. I don't think enough people have, are talking about this one, but it's a OSC supplement focusing on underwater adventures, just like it advertises. But really rich monsters there, some cool adventures. There are really interesting playable underwater character classes and like, you know, demi humans. I think that would really make this richer, especially once players get underwater. 
I might even replace like the um, Slegula and Nephroid fish people that I wasn't crazy about with some of the weirder classes in um, underwater adventures. There's like some very Moorcock like um, evil underwater uh, elves that just like, I think would really work and I think could easily be swapped out for a different flavor. Um, and then lastly, this one's in the appendix end, but I think hot springs Island would be really easy. Just more, more islands to explore. You know what I mean? Maybe take away the storm that prevents people from coming and going. Here you go. Have another adventure to just tack onto this thing. It can easily sit in this archipelago. Anyway. And and same with Isle of Dread. I mean, that, Isle of Dread. So it seems like an obvious, you know, this is has a lot of influences from some older modules. Yeah. Like, because Isle of Dread also has kind of a, a little bit of a sci-fi thing whenever you get deep to the center level of, of it. Of course. Um, but it also has like Dwellers of the Forbidden City yes. elements to it and, and Expedition Barry Peaks elements. But Isle of Dread, if you want to like just immediately plug one or, or you could kind of do vice versa. Maybe they start an Isle of, Isle of Dread whenever they get a ship and they start sailing out. I like that. This is, this is what's between them and their way back home. Yeah. Um, cause this kind of has an odyssey kind of vibe to it. Like with the, you know, there's a, there's a cyclops and there's, there's sirens. So it kind of has like a, this is what you encounter on the way back home on a long ocean voyage. I love that kind of adventure yeah i love dread too there's like there's there's space in there too you can like add more of these like ancient cultures there you can start adding threads here to connect this with with black craig anyway i feel like yeah stitch these together that's an easy campaign easy and you've got tons of material you know uh yeah you got any else any other uh islands any you want to latch on here yokai anything you're thinking of isle of the plangent mage was definitely in my mind the whole time for obvious reasons yeah totally compatible uh, I have never run a purely naval campaign, um, yeah. or, you know, I've run some adventures that have islands in them or have been on boats, mm-hmm. but, uh, so yeah, I don't really have a lot to add. Um, I think everything you all have said is, is <laughs> right on. Um, I will say that if you were to run this in the, uh, verse, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> the expanded, <laughs> Blackworm of Ransford universe. Um, I think it would work totally fine. It feels very similarly whimsical and interesting. And um, what I would hope is that in his next book, he expands on this again and you get this kind of three part map. Maybe I'd like to see it all put together. I I just like the feel of this setting a lot. I find Mm -hmm. it to be kind of cozy in a way you don't see within Mm -hmm. the OSR, OSR sphere that often. Yeah. 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 Good so, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Um, before we jet off here, um, W.F. Smith, do you have any plugs you want to give? Sure, I'll, I'll give a plug. Um, so you can find all my stuff. Uh, the best place is prismaticwasteland.com. I'm also on the various uh, Twitter and Twitter alternatives as Prismatic Wastes or Prismatic Wasteland. Um, and recently I've released, or I guess released it for the first time in physical form, Big Rock Candy Hex Crawl, a little pamphlet adventure, and you can buy that on my website, prismaticwasteland.com, and there's a little shop tab, and you can buy stuff from me now. Nice. W.F. Smith, you got any other adventures in the cooker? Anything people can look forward to? Anything you can talk about at this point? Uh, I definitely do, and and um, my my corporate, I, I, I am getting a heads up from the CEO of Prismatic Wasteland right now that I'm able to talk about it. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I write a lot of stuff at the same time. Um, I unfortunately have a full time day job, so I'm I don't get a lot done quickly. But I'm kind of slowly working on a large hex crawl kind of outdoors 
fantasy adventure um, called Candy Country. It's kind of a sequel um, to Big Rock Candy Hex Trial, or maybe it's what I wish that were, because that's a, a pamphlet. It's maybe like a travel brochure. This is going to be a big, meaty book. Sweet. Um, I'm also working on my my system, Prismatic Wasteland, and I've been working on that for several years, and we'll continue working on it for several more. And I have a, a little Pokemon thing I'm working on. I got a, I got, I uh, have trouble focusing, so I got a <laughs> lot of irons in the fire. That sounds like great stuff. Uh, the Pokemon thing has got me interested <laughs> would you would you like would you like me to re- uh reveal the titles on on your your you know i know you guys don't break news regularly but would you like hey, to break some yeah, news it's your, it's it's yours it's your pitch corner here yeah if you want to <laughs> right. um it's going to be a uh a system based on into the odd uh-huh. um but pokemon so that's into the oddish <laughs> and it's going to be a pokemon version of white plume mountain and that'll be vile plume mountain wow uh, oh my goodness what what is it? What do you mean, Pokemon? You mean there's monsters in balls? What is that? Do they fight each other? Uh, no, I'm I'm yeah. This is I mean I'm I'm fully going in like a Pokemon Company. I hope they don't listen to your podcast because uh-huh. and, you know I'm I'm taking some IP and I'm just running black with it. flag. I love it. Wow. Yeah, perfect for a pirate episode. Yes, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Tying it all together. You're welcome. Really looking forward to that one. That sounds that sounds hot. Wow. I kind of miss that whole pokemon craze how old how old are you how old are you i'm 40 so yeah you, yeah a little you, older you're yeah. the right age you're the right age for yeah the, i got I'm, I'm also 40 i bought i got pokemon blue when i was like 18 and i was like i know i'm i feel like i'm a weird age to be getting into this like this feels like too young for me but you know it's calling me you know anyway i continue yeah. to enjoy it at 18 yeah man pokemon i'm i'm still in it i'm still catching them all what can you do you know <laughs> i like to play the pokemon games well, more than that, I appreciate you're doing like an unauthorized like IP uh, adaptation here. I think you know, I think more people should do that. You know, don't take don't take this as legal advice, all right? But I think what are they what are they going to do? Sue us all, huh? Maybe I should make a Batman D and D module, huh? What are you going to do? Arrest me? Huh? Maybe that's it's, fun. It's actually, always, why is it always Batman with you? What do you mean it's always Batman with me? Like that's your go-to. Like if you're talking about IP, you always do you think go that's to true. Hmm. Yeah, you well, talk about true. Batman. All it's the it's time. it's it's a well known beloved one. I mean, it's definitely you know that that's top fifty for sure. Easy. Well, he's a cool guy. He kind of dresses up like a bat. Don't know oh, if you've really he, seen much about this guy. Kind I, of an interesting I know character. Who he is? I don't. I just his whole deal is he has money. He doesn't his, have any superpowers. Well, you see, the thing money. about him is his bad guy is a clown. All right. There's something yeah, there. I think there's something worth exploring with this Batman <laughs> character. Um, but yeah, all, all about unauthorized things. I'm only doing it because I'm so edgy and punk. And uh, if Pokemon yeah. Company wanted to offer me a, an official license to do it, uh-huh. um, I would take it. I would absolutely yeah. fully sell out in a minute. Um, but they won't. They won't. They're scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah. I think it gives all you right. some edgy bad boy cred, which I can respect. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Yeah, we're done. All right. Uh, this has been Between Two Cairns. You can reach us at between two Karens at gmail.com or join the Karen Discord and get on the uh, <laughs> extremely active Between Two Karens channel. Uh, you can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash between two Karens. Uh, thank you so much, W.F. Smith, for joining us today. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. So long, folks. No cute outro for me this time. I got a I got leftover pizza in the fridge. I'm hungry. I'm gonna go eat it. Vegan pizza, y'all. All right, milk allergy. We set that up at the beginning of the episode. There's some good stuff out there. You don't have to judge. All right, every man can eat his own lunch. That's my philosophy. All right, I don't <laughs> judge it, your lunch. Is, don't judge mine. But I got a tasty is it the slice. Cashew? 
I got it. Cashew it has cheese? a cashew based yeah. mozzarella on the top. Authentic Italian accent I'm dropping on you here. I'm about to go enjoy my tasty slice. All right. Hope everyone else has a tasty slice of their own, whether that be an emotional slice or physical slice. All right. Find the tasty slice in your life and eat it for lunch. All right. And that's my final thoughts. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs>